Welcome to another episode of Brew Roots. I'm Emily. And I'm Matt. And this is the podcast that tells you the stories behind your favorite beer. Each week, we take a look behind the scenes at the craft beer industry. And now, on to the episode. What's up, Brew Roots listeners? We are here for our sixth episode. Can you believe it? we made it this far? Happy sixth. It's yeah. exciting. You know what else is six years old? What? I don't know, some kid out Greg there. Greg Smith, sure. PhD, for writing <laughs> yeah. That's how many years Greg Smith didn't go to college to get his PhD. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. That's a number you can count on. Yeah. So. <laughs> 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 yeah. Ryan thought it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> so what's up, Ryan? How are you? I'm doing all right. Emily? Living, living life. Emily, how are you? I'm pretty good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I have a little something to say. But before I do that, Matt... Where can Brew Roots be found? Oh, man. It's more of a question, where can't Brew Roots be found? And the answer is myspace.com. We do not have a MySpace. <laughs> or a Foursquare. Or Foursquare. We're or working a Vine. On, we're working on it. I'm in, content, I'm in constant contact with Tom from MySpace to get a <laughs> Tom. account. I'm like, what up, Tom? Need account for Brew Roots? He's like, I hear you, man, but the servers are shut. It doesn't even sound made up, that. It's, it's not. <laughs> it sounds um, like his name But yeah, you can find Tom. us on Twitter. Instagram, Facebook, and Untapped, which Ryan is now running our Untapped. Oh yeah, I think at, he drinks more beer than us. Yeah, he does. At yeah. um, at Brewroots, just at Brewroots, we're easy. We suck at Twitter. Someone told me that in the DMs the other day that we suck at Twitter. And I was like, like okay. that's fine, but Twitter sucks. Yeah, so Twitter's hard for the beer. Egg. It's like I can write all this cool text, hashtag cool beer, and I don't, I don't know. I like Instagram. Yeah, Instagram's a little better. It's cool to see 100 likes. More visual. Yeah. Yeah. So, Emily, you texted us on Monday or last week, whenever, and you said you wanted to- I did that classic thing that your seventh grade boyfriend does where he breaks up with you over text. You did. And unfortunately, I didn't want to do it that way, but uh, just so that the listeners know, this will be probably the second or third to last time that you'll hear me on the podcast because I am leaving and making room for a new co-host. Very exciting. Her name is Erica. So yeah. I'll let her introduce herself since she's been standing here. <laughs> <laughs> Very patiently. Yes. I'm Erica. How's it going? What's up? What's up? Erica, what's, what's up? your first memory of beer? Oh, probably just trying my stepdad's awful Heineken. Yeah, in that green bottle, though. Mm, yeah, it's mm. the best. That's skunk juice. Yeah, skunk juice. So good. So good. <laughs> and so, what got you, yeah, what got you into beer? Oh, just the usual. I think you, you know, lost a job and decided I really like beer, and I just <laughs> go in that direction. <laughs> yeah. So for those who don't know, Erica works at a beer and wine hobby store, so she's going to yeah. be able to bring a lot of, like, the... Stuff that you guys have really actually wanted to know more about, come some of the Homer nerdier side. stuff, yeah, that I have no clue about, and Emily, you had no clue about. And I'm very excited because we've been dying to get a homebrewer on this podcast for so long, and now to have that new perspective permanently here is so great. So mm-hmm. we're really excited to have you. And I just want to clear the air because I know that people on social media will say, "Well, Matt and Emily broke up. Obviously, that's why we're not Wah-wah. we're not doing it anymore." And it's it's not the case. If you listen to our episode from season two, we were actually never dating. Mm-hmm. And contrary to popular belief, this is a very amicable like like Emily's going to still be contributing to the podcast. It's just you'll still hear me chiming in and out. Yeah, it's just uh, you got a good job and you got to pay attention to that. Yeah. So I wish you all the best of luck. I don't know what Ryan has to say, but 
Ryan's like, whatever. <laughs> shut up, Ryan. <laughs> I knew she, that's, that's why I didn't say anything. Shut up. <laughs> She's abusive. Yeah. Get her out of here. But uh, <laughs> there's the door. But uh, I want to just thank you, Emily. You've brought in this podcast to such great heights. Hey, let's see. We have done so much in less than a year, which is crazy. Yeah. We've traveled all over the place. We've gone to events. We've gotten a lot of beer handed to us which was very generous by all the people that we've talked to. Mm-hmm. We've met some real characters, a lot of stories from the road. Yeah. And I wanted to get a new co-host in here as soon as possible because you guys, the listeners deserve to have consistency and a good product every week. So I know that myself and Ryan could not deliver that. So. I could not be a co-host. That's what you're saying. That's basically <laughs> what you're saying. Ryan's just always so drunk. And uh, wow. Eric, just a mess. Not only this going on untapped, giving everybody one star. <laughs> <laughs> not only has Erica listened to the podcast before, she's many a times chimed in on stuff that we've said and has been kind of like a, a ghost co-host. A I feedback feel like. machine Ooh. too, like yeah. really helpful <laughs> feedback that's yes. actually constructive and that we can act upon, which is so awesome and. We really appreciate that you went out of your way just to send us that message. Yeah. No problem. It means a lot. So welcome. Thank you. Yeah. So for the last time, Emily. What happened in history this week, Matt? And now it's time for Today in Beer History. We're definitely keeping that audio because you said it off air, but you do sound like serious. So I'm just going <laughs> to keep that. It just works so well. Um, so practicing my non-regional diction. Our fake PhD getting... Uh, contributor to the podcast greg smith phd unofficial Who's a fraud fraud super fraud i call hey, see eric was even caught on you caught on then he's a fraud mm-hmm. um runner. so on this day in beer history which would technically be february 15th 2019 um guess what a bunch of breweries open that not that aren't open and nobody <laughs> gives a shit about it's like a tree <laughs> fell in the woods and no one heard it yeah so this one's actually a really cool one so this was a happy day for beer drinkers and actually all drinkers across the Everyone. good old usa because um in a 63 to 23 vote uh the repeal of prohibition was put in place uh, in 1933 on this day on well tomorrow tomorrow right so what are you guys Almost. doing for that? That's pretty cool, right? Like Celebrate. Having a beer. Having a beer. Totally. Yep. Yeah. Beer and I, a shot, maybe? Ooh. The thing that's crazy to me is, though, is that it wasn't a unanimous one, right? Like, yeah. there were 23 people that were like, oh, no, yeah, we shouldn't drink. Life is so prohibition good without alcohol. Prohibition has been great alcohol. for us so far. Yeah. Do you think that prohibition <laughs> was, like, mainly... I think prohibition of religion or like did people think that for some reason drinking alcohol aside from like the God stuff was like bad for the country or bad for people's well, health. Or I something? mean like alcohol That's and a really wine, and question, wine is such a, like an <laughs> overarching like in, yeah, it's in like Catholicism, didn't right? Like Jesus make water into wine. Allegedly. Allegedly. Sorry. Catholic totally fans happened. out there. We just, totally yeah. Happened. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's what the book says. That's what the book says. So it's like, what's the problem? I don't know. I We could go into the history of Prohibition on a future episode coming up in the future. That might be boring. Stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> but. That would be a good episode. Because there was a lot of underground bathtub brewing yeah. happening. Yeah. Yeah. Bathtub brewing. But uh, yeah, so the Senate. Thank you so much for the 63 <laughs> individuals. Hundreds of years ago. <laughs> I, uh, I raised this glass to you. This yeah, beer this that beer. probably Delish. wasn't made with corn syrup, which brings us to our beer fact of the week. 
Introducing the Brewroot Beer Fact of the Week. So I thought I would take my opportunity for my last beer fact to really go fucking ham on Budweiser. <laughs> like, I, was I am say, how so can you, like, ready um, for this. <laughs> I am ready. Okay. I, I have shat on them so many times for a lot of their marketing stunts, but this one by far is for the books. So I'm sure most of our listeners watched the Super Bowl, whether you're a Pats or a Rams fan or not. I personally did not. So I want to ask Erica and Matt, did you guys see the Bud Light commercial? I am already sweating. I am so heated. So which Bud Light commercial are we referring to? The it's corn syrup one. Every the one that everyone's one talking Every about. Every single one? Every yeah. single one of them. Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah. Okay. So can you tell me a little bit about what happens in the corn syrup commercial? Well, Ryan, can we get some medieval music going? All right, so actually Erica knows about the commercial a little bit better than me, but... Set the scene. Set the scene. So we're setting the scene, right? We're at the Budweiser castle, and this big shipment of corn syrup arrives in those massive pots. And the Budweiser's like, that is not ours. Interesting, interesting. Interesting, yes. So then the massive container, if you will, of corn syrup... Then goes over to, is it Miller Light or is it Coors? Yeah, the Bud Light people travel across the wilderness land yeah. and to the next castle, which I think was Coors or... It must have been the Miller Coors Fortress yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, oh, we are not out yet, but we'll yeah. take it pretty much. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. <laughs> And then the next one they went to was like, oh, we just ran out. Thank you so Perfect. much. Perfect. This is ours. Thank you. <laughs> so. We've been waiting for this. We've been waiting for it. Yeah. Right? So basically, yeah. Emily. Yeah. So basically the idea here that Bud Light is trying to communicate is that they don't use corn syrup in their beer. And they're trying to kind of stigmatize the use of corn syrup to make it look like it's some kind of like cheap workaround for fermentation. I don't even know if they're really thinking that deeply into it. We just know that there's a lot of fear that is associated with fruc- uh, high, high fructose, fructose syrup. corn syrup and corn syrup. I feel like for years and for most of my life, they've been demonized in the media. But I am here to set the record straight. So, I mean, most of the time I like... You know, I appreciate Bud Light for really exercising the most out of that really high marketing budget. But for this, I think they're really going after too big a dog because they basically are. Yeah, they're they're really going for the jugular on the corn industry. And, you know, it's funny because I am somebody who is not really supposed to eat a lot of corn. And I'm still like, what the heck? Why are you demonizing corn? It's corn. Chill. So this article is from foodandwine.com. I thought it was probably the most reputable source of all of the different articles that I found about this controversial commercial, quote unquote, because it's not as controversial as some of the other ones that we've seen. It's all right. It's way better than the <clears throat> equal pay and <clears throat> other things. So <laughs> it's way better than the article I got from Boston Mike's beer article. But I just love this because they're really like coming for people. But it's kind of like it's annoying because I think that what what frustrated me about this whole campaign is that they're kind of assuming that the people who drink their product are stupid. Like you're basically saying like, you guys are so dumb that if we tell you corn syrup's bad, you're going to believe us and you're going to buy our beer. And I don't appreciate that. They know who their target market is. It probably worked out all right, but I'm annoyed. 
So in this article by Food and Wine, I'll just read you a quick excerpt. By at least some accounts, the big loser in last night's Super Bowl wasn't the Los Angeles Rams, but the corn industry. During the game, Bud Light, one of the Super Bowl's most conspicuous and discussed sponsors, ran a sport ran a spot criticizing Miller Lite and Coors Light's use of corn syrup as a brewing ingredient. The in-your-face ad featured a massive barrel, as you guys were describing, labeled corn syrup, and even concluded with the line, to be clear, we brew Coors Light with corn syrup. And uh, they had a series of tweets about this. But what was really funny was that the National Corn Growers Association, which I didn't even think was a thing, clapped back at them on Twitter and said, Bud Light, America's corn farmers are disappointed in you. Our office is right down the road. We would love to discuss with you the many benefits of corn. Thanks, Miller Light and Coors Light for supporting our industry. So I thought that was pretty hilarious. But the article basically reads, let's get this out of the way. Nothing is inherently wrong with brewing with corn syrup and Bud Light's ad has an unsettling undertone of misleading and anti-scientific fear mongering. Couldn't have said it better myself. On the latter point, corn syrup and more specifically high fructose corn syrup has been under assault for two reasons. First, high fructose corn syrup is often used as a sugar replacement. Obviously, people think that's a big no-no. Whether high-fructose corn syrup is worse for you than sugar is another topic, but corn syrup and high-fructose corn syrup are two different products. Ayy, who would have thought? The latter, as the name implied, has additional fructose, a type of sugar, and yet brewing ferments sugars into alcohol anyway, meaning most light beers end up with little to no sugar regardless of whatever kind of fermentables you put in them. So to imply that corn syrup is somehow worse for you by tactily tying it into the criticism around high fructose corn syrup as an unhealthy sweetener is entirely misleading. Thank you, Food and Wine, because I thought that summed it up beautifully. They have some more evidence and, you know, kind of scientific backings that they go into as to why this commercial is baseless. And it's basically they're targeting people that they think are basically too dumb to do their own research. At the root of it, I just think that they're all using crappy adjuncts. Yeah. Right. So it's, yeah. do you agree? I mean, like oh, yeah. it's something totally. that whatever the beer sucks. Yeah. I just don't like having my intelligence insulted by Budweiser again. So insulted, Big you know, mood. the equal oh. the I, Oh, if you ever want to listen to me go <laughs> off about mood. that equal pay commercial, there's definitely it's, it's buried in one of the episodes, but, um, their marketing sometimes bothers and disturbs me. I like when the, the Bud Light King got killed by the mountain. I don't even remember seeing that. I was like, what? Where is that even from? Yeah, it was a Super Bowl commercial. Yeah. I must have missed that. I was just hyped up on Mountain Dew and really pumped that Tom Brady won. So I didn't care about the. Is that really? No. No, Oh, okay. okay. I was like, I was not following you there for a second. Cool. I was like, I know they're taking out like Miller Coors and shit. Like they're talking about those brands, but I didn't think they would come after soda. Mm. That's next, I'm sure. Well,. Bud Light, fuck you. Yeah, so that's that's like my um, my mic drop of the yeah. century. It's just kind of like, Bud, stop <laughs> assuming <laughs> that I'm stupid. Yeah. You know what's not stupid? The Valentine's sh- Day? Valentine's <laughs> Day. So a lot what, of- what better to get your yeah, so, sweetheart so as than you shirts know, on tap? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this episode, if you've forgotten Valentine's Day... You can get your sweetheart or sweethearts. <laughs> if you're like that. If you're yeah. like that. We don't judge. Um, shirts on tap. And you know what? You won't break the bank either because we know that flowers and candy can be a little expensive. But for the cheap price of? $5. Plus eighteen ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> After the first month. Yes. 
So basically Shirts on Tap is a subscription service that comes in three month installments. You get a t-shirt shipped to your house every month. And with the code BREWROOTS, you can get your first box for $5 when you sign up for a three month subscription. I got an awesome shirt from Chicago. I love it. It's got a little motor car on it and a little bit of hop head guy. Yeah. A lot of fun little hop graphics, which I love. And uh, we're trying to bring them to Boston. We say that every episode, and we're going to have them on a future episodes. And then I think we're going to ask the hard-hitting questions. Who are we going to choose for Shirts on Tap from Boston? Mm. There's so There's many so options. Many. Yeah. I think Bona. I love their... <laughs> yes. I love oh, yes. Uh, Horatio. Popo. I love Horatio. Horatio. Yeah. So. I'm wearing the hat right now. Hell yeah. Hey. Cool. So... What else besides Shirts on Tap are you guys going to get for your sweet uh, ones this Valentine's? Candy. Candy. Lots of beer. Lots of... Uh, Maybe. I don't know. Candy. I'm probably going to get something for my mom, <laughs> I think, but my mom doesn't drink beer. She loves cider, though. Ooh. She loves yeah. North, North Country. Country. Obsessed. She was just talking about it yesterday. Yeah. And they just released that uh, Habanero. Ooh. I don't think Good. she'll like that, but I'll try it. Yeah. Cool. So this week, we have Liar's Bench out of Port Smith. <laughs> New Hampshire. I almost said Portland because we were... That was a close one. They're so close to each other. <laughs> They're so close. Um, and Liar's Bench is super cool. We talked to Dagan and Dane, um, and they own it, and they've been best friends since college, and they decided to go into business together. And you'll hear all of that stuff in the episode, but um, really cool place. And what I really like about them is they're happy where they were at, right? Like, they don't need to be like a Night Shift or Lord Hobo. Um, which is cool. And no, that's no, cool. that's no throwing shade at Night Shift or Lord Hobo. And if you haven't listened to those episodes, they are available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever. But um, they're cool with being your neighborhood brewery, mm-hmm. kind of replacing the... the uh, Local the, watering hole. Yeah, exactly. And um, they truthfully have a beer for everyone. Pilsner, lager, your double IPA, some Kolsch's and pretty cool, um, pretty cool story. Like every week. Yeah. I mean, I always appreciate some variety, too, in what they're brewing. Yeah. And they were hilarious. We got um, we got loose. Our lips got loose, and it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Emily, do you want to introduce the episode for the last time? Well, yes. And the first thing that I will say before I introduce the episode is that thank you all so much for listening. It has been my absolute pleasure to be your co-host on the episode, and I'm very excited to roll out the carpet for Erica. So thank you for being here for my transition episode. And on to Liar's Bench. (laughs) (laughs) Just wait till you get a big sip. I'm going to get a big one. Oh, boy. Ooh, this little... is way past Dane's bedtime. So. <laughs> if you guys couldn't tell by that exchange right here, I am at Liar's Bench in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Nailed it. Which is awesome for me because it's 20 minutes from my house, and I love you guys. I fell in love with you guys because of a certain beer that we're going to get into a little bit down the road. I thought you were going to say it was because of our eyes. I'm looking deep into your eyes, actually. and Simultaneously, the two of us at the same time. I'm in love. <laughs> All right, so uh, I'm not going to spoil who's here with me, so introduce yourselves, your role here at Liar's Bench, and your first memory of beer. Oh, that's a double whammy. Uh, my name's Dane Nielsen, uh, head brewer, co-founder here at Liar's Bench. First beer memory is probably when my parents let me take a half pour of Coors Light when I was 12 years old at dinner, and... Uh, 
This was in 1969, so it was legal. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah there, was no, there were no, no drinking laws there. Um, no, it, it was uh, my friend, my brother's friend, Matt Chapin, brought over a six pack of um, bass. Okay. And I, I certainly uh, remember his, his excitement about it. And granted, I was 14, they were 16, and I was not allowed to be in the room, but they let me there anyway. Um, and it was unlike any Coors Light I've ever had that my parents <laughs> gave me. Very good. Uh, my name is Dagan Migerditch. I'm a co-founder here of Liars Bench Beer Company. Uh, I'm more the front of the house, back office kind of guy. Dane is our, is our brewer and the head man. Um, but uh, my, my first beer memory... One that actually like stands out as a positive memory beyond just drinking beer in high school was in the Czech Republic. I, uh, I studied abroad there, and every day after school would have to hike up this mountain to get back to our dormitory, and we had a little foosball bar, um, and it was my first experience with Czech Pilsner, and the fact that beer could be both refreshing, quenching, and delicious all at the same time, and not just water that was poured into a red Solo cup. Um, so that's the first one that really like inspires a sense of nostalgia and got me thinking that maybe there's more to this than just the alcohol in the, in the cup. So speaking of your quote-unquote red Solo cup days, you guys both met at UNH. We did. Um, on the website, it says fast, and f- fast friends and freshmen, blah, blah, blah. Immediate. Yeah, immediate friends. Partially out of necessity, we were in a uh, force triple, which is, <laughs> okay. a, is a double room that has been uh, jam-packed with three people. But Who yeah, was top I mean, bunk? Who was top Dane had the loft, much I, to my chagrin. I got there first. Li- literally guy. first to the dormitory, because I was like number four. I was the first person to check into the, the entire dormitory, uh, luckily. Because otherwise I would have lost the loft. So I knew he was a planner, um, which turns out that's beneficial for being business partners with somebody. But uh, no, we hit it off immediately. We were buddies uh, and and drinking buddies, too. I mean, we both enjoyed chasing after it and trying to, as 18-year-olds at the University of New Hampshire, get our hands on something. Uh, And that just grew into a friendship that is obviously much beyond beer at this point. What... uh What's some other things that are common for you guys that you kind of knew that this was a, a friendship that was... We both like ripping on one another. Like sure. A good, a good ribbing is, uh, is fun for the two of us. Cool. So I'm sure you didn't tell your parents, I want to go to UNH and drink as much beer and what play Ultimate Frisbee. Did you play Ultimate Frisbee? We, that was another thing I was going to say. We both played Ultimate Frisbee all four years. Um, the reason I knew that he is wearing a red Ultimate Frisbee... It, it was on purpose. Yes. This was a, a unifying uh, thing that Dagan and I did all four years. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, having a club experience in college can bring up thoughts of like Animal House, but right. that's not necessarily what it was. It was like much more wholesome than that. So it was good to have the balance of the, you know, chasing around trying to find the beer that we can get our hands on for the weekend, but then also having something to look forward to touring during the weekdays as well. Like studying. Definitely studying. Yes. So obviously you told your parents you want to go to school for? Oh English. English. <laughs> <clears throat> Physical education. And you guys are both brewers. 
are owning a brewery. Yeah. yeah. So, we, yeah. so can we talk about that that trend? Did you work a day as a physical education I person? I did work a few days as a physical education teacher. Okay. Uh, it led me... So uh, I substituted long-term here in Portsmouth just before leaving Portsmouth after college um, for San Francisco. And in San Francisco, was hoping to get some sort of teaching job, whatever it may be. Um, physical education, great. If not, just get in the schools. Really hard to get uh, even a substitution job in San Francisco at that point. But a and teacher's salary probably gets you by in San Francisco pretty well. Probably, yeah. I mean, highest cost of living in the world. Mm. And many we years reward our teachers well in this country. <laughs> we do. <laughs> um, even getting that job was tough, though. So I ended up, um, I was working for a group home for emotionally disturbed teenagers in the general health ward of, the, in the health mental health ward of the general hospital of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, it was trying, and it definitely led me towards the brew pub down the street from my house uh, that many more days of the week. And that is what led me to brewing, ultimately. Which uh, I got to say, that little inspirational ding that went off right when you had the moment of, it, this job is really trying. <laughs> ding. Ding. I should be a brewer. I should, I should, I should do something else mm-hmm. that's more satisfying to myself. Um, and so uh, I, at Magnolia, the brew pub in San Francisco in the yep. hate, uh, that's where I met the head brewer. And he just was kind enough to invite me down and then continue to invite me down and I got a job. So that's where it, that's where it led. Yeah. I never worked a day in a classroom. Okay. Uh, I graduated from college and immediately started working in the restaurants, which I'd been doing for a number of years. I'd, I'd been working as and local um, to Portsmouth area. No, I originally grew up in New York, but okay. uh, after UNH, fell in love with this town and, and knew this is where I wanted to settle after I got out of college. Um, but I was working in the restaurants, doing everything from busing tables to eventually becoming a general manager. Um, and I think throughout that process, had some dalliances with other careers. You know, did some copywriting for for some advertising companies and, and explored some other avenues that, that could have potentially led into another life, but just realized how much I love the service industry. Um, and probably five years ago now was what? when we started really taking this seriously. Cause we had joked for a number of years that you know, we year both have these now? two separate 2019 now. So yeah. Uh, 2014. Yeah, 2014, right around there, we started to say, you know, we've got enough experience and, or at least we thought we had enough experience, (laughs) (laughs) which I don't think you ever know until you open the doors. Um, But around that time, it it started to make sense for us to take a swing and see if we could turn this English degree and this phys ed degree into a, a brewery with a brick and mortar. Before we go too far into it, is there something that 2019... Both of you would like to tell 2014. Is this Yourself. this whole Instagram thing going on right now? No, not even that. It's just more or less. What advice would you have wanted to tell, tell oh, yourself? Yeah, gotcha. Because yeah. I've been seeing a lot. Oh of yeah, these, what like, did you look cuts. like five years ago? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like um, you know, get Propecia. Yeah, yeah. Invest in Rogaine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 2014 to 2019, I think uh, it would it, it would be a very similar message to. 
what we're going to say to five years from now is just do what you're doing and stay, uh, stay true to what you do think is right. Like, like, no, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I think the whole idea of maintaining integrity is, is it's like a pat on the back that you need at a, at a particular moment in time. And I don't know that I could look back and, and really offer myself any sort of advice that would be, that wouldn't corrupt me and, and ruin the whole thing, like the butterfly effect. But, you know, I, I, there are times when I remember having starry eyes for how amazing it would be to have our own place. And, and I still have that type of feeling about it. But I think I would have told myself to be prepared for the grind of owning a business, which when your business is also something that you dream about doing and you have those tough days, it's hard to reconcile. Like, shouldn't have this been just fantasy land the entire time? Mm. Um, so to, to have that as kind of the, just a, a, a warning beforehand would have been helpful. But I mean, I don't know that I would trade anything for the world at this point. So Dane, you were in San Francisco. Yep. Was it starting this business that brought you back ultimately to this area? Absolutely. I mean, Ultimately, in the timing, yes. Uh, I would love to come back. I would have loved to come back at some point, but the uh, the prospect of opening this this business was what brought me back at that moment. Um, and there was no question about it that that was what I wanted to do. Um, yeah, after we found out that this might even be a possibility, Dane was pretty much in his car the next day. Yeah. <laughs> There were so many drawings on my little drawing board about what this brewery is going to look like and logos and names. And uh, we had no idea uh, what this thing was going to be. Um, but I was ready. And, and that is what absolutely brought me back um, at that point. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about names. Liar's Bench. Why are you guys called Liar's Bench? Uh, we... We found the name reading about the Appalachian Trail. There's a famed liar's bench at the end up in Katahdin. And it's these two stumps, two planks of wood nailed to the stump. Um, and there's a short story about it. And it, immediately we were drawn to the aesthetic quality of the name, liar's bench. We just we liked the way that it flowed. Um, and then we started doing some research on it. And a liar's bench is a thing. It's a piece of Americana. It has roots all the way throughout our history and even back into England. It's that town meeting place uh, where people congregate together, whether it's outside of a general store or a fishing pier or a coffee shop. Mm -hmm. And they come with one another to tell stories, stories that entertain, which sometimes require a little bit of BS. Um, Sometimes require that you turn the volume up a little bit on certain details with the idea being that you're not, you don't have malicious intent, you're not trying to deceive anybody, you're just trying to keep people from looking at their phones and maybe look one another in the eye. Yeah. And us, beer pairs perfectly with that. So it just, we had been looking for names for a while, and once we found that one, it was a no-brainer. It was done. The search was over. Uh, were there any other choices? Sapsucker? Sapsucker yeah. was a, a, a runner-up. Uh, and that's why we named one of our first beers yeah. and um, one of our first saisons, Sapsucker. Um, like the ring to it, it's, it, 
obviously. It's an indigenous bird, right. yep. so it has some yep. local local provenance to it, but it did not compare to the the story that Liar's Bench has and could continue to tell. You guys are practicing what you preach because you guys have the German style tables or long tables where people it's not two people to a table. You encourage other people, you have board Never. games and all of that stuff. Yep. Was that important for you guys to start that? And what kind of inspired you guys to have that? Was it experiences you might have had in San Francisco? Experiences you had in Czech Republic? Yeah, I mean, we... So when I was studying abroad in the Czech Republic, Dane was also studying abroad in Denmark. And I don't think we knew it at the time, but that whole experience left like an indelible impression upon us. We saw European drinking culture, which is much better than UNH frat basement drinking culture. Uh, and the way that one and, you know, people come together and are in a way forced, although we would call it encouraged, uh, to sit with one another and inevitably start to interact with one another, that is all by design. Um, not just on our part, this is an old thing, something that we definitely adopted from Europe and then from places in you know San Francisco, Magnolia, where you started off. I mean, you can speak to that better than I can. But that the captain's table was a revelation for me. Absolutely, the captain's table is where. Um, I mean, that is where I got my first gig brewing. That's where I met Ben Spencer at Magnolia. That's where so many people. Um, we Can you just, talk about what the captain's uh, Sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The captain's table is a... Oh, the captain's table. Uh, of course. <laughs> yeah. I was like, are we sitting at the captain's table right now? Everyone know what the captain's table is. It was... It's, it's a tall table. Um, so it's a high top, but it's lengthy. And it's a communal high top, let's call it. Um, and it probably sat, I don't know, 14 people. And it just... It stands there as you walk in that is on your left, going down the, the wall. And um, it's where we sat for lunch almost every day brewing. It's where so many people would come in, all the regulars, and, and it would, it's very much a community spot. Um, and it encourages uh, brushing shoulders. It encourages meeting new people and, and striking up conversation. And it definitely encouraged us to replicate that here. Um, Matt, you, I mean, you see a lot of breweries. You must see this as a common trend. It is. It's, yeah. almost, it, it's almost obscure if they don't have that. Right? Exactly. Right? It's weird exactly. if they don't have yeah, that. Yeah, it'd be yeah. odd to walk right. into a brewery with a bunch of little two tops. Yeah. yeah. And, booths. But, and as a young 22, 23-year-old, uh, it Sounds wasn't. Like you just hit a home run on that, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, 23. Good uh, year. At that age, it, it it was new, and it it definitely. Well, you guys were probably we were used to Libby's or something like that in UNH. <laughs> yeah. I literally I've yeah. to so, UNH too many times to count. So <laughs> yeah, being like awkward and uncomfortable <laughs> in a corner. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like, I'm gonna go Those who don't know, Libby's is the like where I had my first fifty cent drink, and I was like, this is the best thing in the world. And then got kicked. Yep. You know, you if know? we <laughs> found another place with fifty cent drinks, I might be back into that at yeah. this point. Right. Went back. I went back to the knot recently. You should have not done that. Uh, you are very right. <laughs> yeah. So going back to Libby's yeah, next time. I'd love to go to a basement <laughs> bar with no air conditioning. So these are all local UNH bars that we're ripping on right now. Yeah. yeah, but, yeah. You know, I'm, I, the hope is that other people can relate, that most college places have uh, 
have trashy bars. Right. Yeah. Um, but back to this whole communal aspect of, 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 of seating and, and the, the captain's table, uh, I do also think that Liar's Bench is not just uh, replicating this, this communal aspect and Liar's Bench aspect in how we seat people, but also the beers that we're serving. Um, I think we're, we're brewing a lot of more sessionable style beers that allow you to sit there and allow you to expand that story a few more times. Um, safely, of course, safely, of course. Um, but it's, 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 we're not knocking you over the head one way or another. We're giving you these full flavored beers that, you know, you can have a few of and we'll aid the conversation and aid the conversation. Exactly. Let's talk about what we're drinking right now. We're all having the pills. We are drinking the pills. Yes, we are. Can we talk about well, talk about it. No dice. So no dice uh, is a German style pilsner. It is not filtered, um, but I wouldn't call it a Keller pills. So it's it's not um, being served from the conditioning tank. It is treated to be um, a finished pilsner. Um, it's all German ingredients. We are getting our yeast from this killer spot in Denver called Inland Island. Which um, we, you know, just to highlight yeah. the communal uh, nature of breweries in general, we were out in Denver for GABF and went cool. to Prost. And Prost, on their own accord, gave us a expansive tour of the place and got us hip to Inland Island. Uh, we wouldn't have known about no getting yeast from them other than interacting with those guys yeah and and they've been a, a consistent favorite every time we go out to denver and they're just making some of the cleanest best german beers out there and so to know you know their source of what truly makes their beer so good um was a treat and so we've been definitely using their uh, their yeast recommendation um so it's it's a it's a crisp, clean, like five and three five point three percent um German Pilsner. Uh it's not filtered, so it's it still has some hop haze and a little bit of yeast haze. Um but it is a refreshing quaffer. In the world of a New England style IPA or a juice bomb, I don't see a lot of them here. I do see IPAs. You'll see IPAs. I, I, no, I'm saying I do. Love, we love hops. Yep. Uh, we we just. I'm saying that to your credit because I think. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm saying that to your credit. Right? <laughs> I was about uh, to stick up for myself. No, 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 no. I, I, I think it is. It's a good trend that I'm seeing left behind in 2018. Yeah. That we're I'm, seeing more stouts. We're seeing more pills. We're seeing lagers. Yep. Um, is that something that you guys have done since the start, or yes. what was? 100%. Uh, we have never been an IPA forward brewery. Uh, like I said about the, the, the communal aspect and the sessionability of our beer reflecting what Liar's Bench is, we have strived to be um, not the trend followers. Um, and that is something, too, that like is representative of... Our vision for our brewery. We want to. We want to be a tap room. Mm-hmm. We want you to come in and sit at our communal tables and drink a few beers and to be focused on one particular style, especially a style that 
in my opinion, can be hit or miss. When it's good, it's great. And when it's bad, it's bad. terrible. It's yeah. bad. <laughs> uh, for us to, to try to you know, invigorate customers to come in here and sit down and drink a few beers, the New England style IPA doesn't really fit into our MO. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, it's, it's just a, there isn't anything wrong with that. And, and that's the thing that I think we get hung up on sometimes is if you're a brewery that that is your vision and that's representative of who you are as a brewer and it's got an authentic bend to it, then do your thing, make that beer. But if it's not, then there shouldn't be a demerit attached to your name because that's that's not how you want to approach creating a tap list. Yeah, I just want to make it clear: this is definitely to your credit. Thanks, I th man. I think we it's awesome. That. Like, I, that. I think it's awesome that when you can go to a brewery and you can put down three or four beers and you can still walk. Um, yeah, and you can and taste the next one exactly. And coming in and having a pilsner. Yep, it's a damn good pilsner. <laughs> I just want to add to that. Um, what is the beer that Liar's Bench is most known for? Or what's your quote-unquote flagship? I, I mean... Young Upstart IPA. Yeah, yeah it's an IPA. <laughs> uh, Young Upstart IPA is, is probably definitely the most uh, drank beer out of Liar's Bench. Um, and we're not ashamed of that either. No. We, like, we, we, we love IPAs. Yeah. We're not anti-hops, as many of you might think. We love hops. Uh, just in balance. Uh, Young Upstart is a, it's an American IPA. It's, it, it toes the West Coast IPA bitterness with a balance. Um, it has a, a real strong malt backbone, um, but with a dry finish. So it's, there's no cloying sweetness at all. And then the hops play this really great, like, balance of pine resin with the new age um like citrus fruit and 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 just fruit balance it's 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 what i want to drink at the end of a day it's it's a hop forward balanced ipa but i also think we're like still establishing what what are our flagship beers you know yeah. we're two and a half years in a little bit more than that We've brewed over 150 unique beers. Yep. Uh, and when we started out, we wanted to have the option for experimentation. And we don't mean experimentation by reinventing the wheel and trying to come up with new styles, but following our own path to discover which beers we love to make, which beers we love to drink, which beers the public responds to, and letting that establish our you know, the tent poles in our, in our entire tent. repertoire of what we do. Yeah. yeah. In our tent. Yes. <laughs> do you recall which beers you opened day one with? Oh yeah. Uh, we had bitter lad, which is a quote, new English, uh, ESB extra special bitter. Um, that one, that one was fun for me. That was a, uh, a challenge by my mother to, create a beer that replicated my hometown. I grew up in the northwest corner of Connecticut, the southern Berkshires, and it is very much a blend of old New England and um, New York City coming up. Um, so 
I didn't want to just replicate and replicate a an ESB and try to make it an old flat warm beer. Um, I wanted to spice it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, so Cascade came into play, um, and then we had. Don't say it yet. I'm not gonna. That's the, the fourth. Yeah. That's the fourth one. Uh, we had uh, John Grady Kolsch. Yeah, cool. I'm glad that's the second one you were gonna say. I thought yeah, Kolsch was. When I visited Dane out in California at Magnolia, they had a California Kolsch. And it was one of my first experiences with something that was both clean and crisp, but then had those fruity ale qualities. Um, and that beer has become definitely one of our stable beers. Not necessarily the one we're most well known for, but one we're canning now, one that we love to see on our tap list, one that we love to send out to restaurants, and one that people call back on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Shy Baby was number three. It's a ruby-colored grisette. Um, so it's this deep uh, ruby color, like a dark brown-red um, that has... So a grisette is a, a low-alcohol saison. Um, mm-hmm. so Which using, neither of us are low in alcohol at this point. Not at this point, People are wondering no. about this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it has this this great caramel quality while it has um, this bright saison like effervescence and 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 almost pineapple-esque uh, aroma and it the balance of those two things along with being four and a half percent creates this just very very refreshing um, full-bodied beer um, so that was that was number three and then Number four, Topanga. Ooh, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Topanga, Topanga was our first IPA, uh, and it has now become our anniversary IPA. And uh, this is how we met you. That is how we met. That is yeah. how we met. Yeah. Topanga brings people together, man. <laughs> right? Our mutual Common love bond between... Of- Men of a certain age. <laughs> yes, is, absolutely. Is an infatuation with Topanga. So, for those who don't know, and if you don't know, shame on you. Yeah, shame on you. Mm-hmm. Topanga Lawrence had some formative years for myself. You know her last name. Of course I do. It's, I'm embarrassed that I don't. Well, I'm it's really Matthews. I'm embarrassed it's really for Matthews, you. It's really Matthews, right? It's, at this yeah, point. At yeah, this point, right? I don't know yeah. if she hyphenated or not. It was oh. Matthews as soon as, he, as, as soon as she saw Corey. Yes, yes. Uh, so, let's talk about that. You guys kind of flirted on the line. You used her likeness on the cans. Yeah, we we definitely flirted on the line, and we might get slapped down for that at some point. Uh, I hope not. Was, uh, and if we do, it's a who's going to slap us? It's a Topanga? recreation of yeah. Topanga. Great. Can, yeah, getting slapped by but t- Topanga mm-hmm. really, it shows the progression from young infatuated boy to 30-year-old someone who needs to get slapped in yes. order to, to feel things. <laughs> so let's talk about that that beer. I mean, which part? Oh, the beer. Oh, the, beer. <laughs> the beer. It's awesome beer. I know that when we got it, there our DMs flowed because we said we were giving one away. We still haven't given that one away. I gave it to my sister. Sorry. All right, <laughs> but like she slide into your DMs, man. No, no. <laughs> to Ma- we gave it to Topanga actually. Nice. Yeah. Uh, please, Topanga Lawrence, if, if she's listening, which she is. Uh, yeah, I huge suspect fan. she is. Huge fan. <laughs> Thank you for not doing a cease and desist yeah. at this point. Uh, if you do, can you do it yourself in person, though? Yeah. Come on down. To where? Liars Bench Beer Company. 459 Islington Street, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, 038201. <laughs> There's no two. I know. I just, 
He's so nervous. He's so nervous inviting her to the, the brewery. <laughs> so let's let's talk about the beer. Uh, um, what was the ins- obviously Topanga's the inspiration, but it's, it's actually funny. Uh, we brewed the beer, Son's name, very much Son's name, and we were sitting around the bar at the Franklin Oyster House where Dagan used to be the opening and general manager of the Franklin Oyster House. And uh, we were trying to come up with a name. And this was the first time we had to, like, first time of now 149 times we had to try. Yeah, most of the naming sessions are just a snap moment and we've got something. <laughs> yep. This one, this we, one was really, it took really a lot of sweat. It. Yep. And uh, I don't know what, I don't know what triggered it, but it was, it was our, our boy meets world beer. Yeah, it was our boy. Oh, yeah, it was our boy meets world beer, and it was it was our first, and everyone wanted our first to be Topanga. Mm-hmm. Boys of a certain age. I preferred Xena the Warrior Princess, but for the sake of the name, I I was willing to go with Topanga. <laughs> Um, let's talk about the naming process. Obviously, not with Topanga, but we're sitting in front of four cans that say Bermuda t- Tattoo. Bermuda Tattoo, baby. Like, hey, Lawson. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we, we had a great friend. We have a great friend. Sorry, Andrew. Um, <laughs> who, who worked on Bermuda uh, as um, a, a maritime researcher. Marine biologist would be the term. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we should Maritime give him, researcher. I don't think we should give him that much credit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so we would visit him. And uh, typically, cheers. 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 As we cheer. Um, hold on. For ASMR fans. You can edit that out, right? Yeah. <laughs> typically on Bermuda, uh, as tourists, you're renting a uh, scooter or a moped. And typically, as tourists, you are crashing said scooter or moped. moped and, I crashed one. Yep. And you end up with a good old gash on your leg, knee, um, what have you. And uh, Hopefully that, on your leg and knee. Yeah. I mean, elbows and shoulders and probably face happen also. But no matter what, that is called a Bermuda tattoo. Um, and people know that. And the yes, the locals know. They see a good old road rash. They call it. Well, now you get your Bermuda tattoo. <laughs> um, so we we loved that term. Um, and as we were creating this beer, this this tropical like almost almost New England IPA, but sans chewy uh, sticking your teeth. Uh, yeast factor um, we we wanted this to be the name of it it's a good name so what's the naming process like though do you guys go around the table or is it just you two saying like it's it's definitely a communal thing uh, Kieran our first hire who's now one of our brewers uh, he has certainly named a handful of beers here but really it's uh the two beers we just talked about are probably the most we've ever thought about okay. beers. <laughs> For the most part, it's like, does it fit? Mm-hmm. If it's too overwrought and too overthought, it's... Not organic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, it just needs to sound good. Mm-hmm. 
It doesn't always need to be reflective of the quality of the beer. Sometimes it does. And sometimes those things sync up in a way that is natural and is going to sell, not just in terms of dollars and cents, but is going to connect with how customers perceive it. But uh, for the most part, it's like, you know, us going back and forth, spitting something out, feeling comfortable brainstorming and saying something stupid. And inevitably, we work our way towards a name that fits. Um, You know, we just went through this process. We have a, we have a, IPL that we're going to be coming out with on uh, in Portsmouth Beer Week, the very last day. Actually, it'll be the second to last day. It'll be the last Saturday of Portsmouth Beer Week. And the name is Private Eye, but uh, we had no idea what we were going to go in. The beer was this. made before we made the name. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. You don't name a beer yeah. first, right? No, I mean, well, sometimes, sometimes you have a name yeah. in the bank. Sometimes you have a name that inspires the beer. what the beer would And, uh, completely juxtaposed to what Private Eye is, is Colombian Thunder Pony. This complete opposite side. Colombian Thunder Pony uh, was very much a name before it was a beer. And Colombian Thunder Pony is a imperial smoked porter with coffee. Uh, I would have never guessed that that would have been yeah, a beer for... Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know how many uh, listeners... No, but Colombian Thunder Pony is another name for cocaine. So uh, we really wanted to nail home the, uh, the, the excitement factor. Which clearly you're <laughs> nailing home right now, man. No, but I mean, with the coffee, it's going to perk yeah, you up. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah that's, that's where we're drawing it, right? Yeah. And the smokiness. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know enough about cocaine to really speak more than the... It was like an idea. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about it. You guys opened up a little bit over two and a half years ago. Day one, I'm sure, was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, day one was nuts. We opened the doors with uh, two of Dane's compatriots, one by the name of Zach Brown, who... Went on to open Waterman's Tour Brewery. worldwide. No, not that Zach Brown. Sorry. <laughs> Singer-songwriter. Yeah, singer-songwriter Zach Brown. He got into wine after he tasted our beer. Uh, it was uh, a, a guy from San Francisco who, uh, who had become a good friend of Dane's and then who I had gotten to know pretty well, who now, he, what, he opened? He opened Waterman's? Waterman's in, in, in um, was it Delaware or was it North Carolina? North Carolina. So he was a brewer who was just kind of consulting and had time to kill. Uh, and then uh, Nico, who was... Uh, Nico Drahoyoski. A straggler. <laughs> kid uh, who friend just, of Dane's who was yeah. just like, we were like, hey, we can throw you into the mix and help <laughs> us out. But yep. it was one of our busiest days ever. I mean, opening, opening's nuts. You have all the enthusiasm from people who have been anticipating the doors opening and then just your expectations kind of flooding through you. Uh, I've, I've never really felt that before. You know, I feel like when I have a kid, maybe that's the time I'll feel like something. A whole boatload been, of expectations. Yeah, it's <laughs> like you've been working towards this, which really as a man, I'm never really going to be working too hard towards it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but this will be the closest we have to giving birth. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I... I I would hope that everyone who opens anything, whether it's a coffee shop or a restaurant or a brewery, gets to feel the way that we felt on the day that we opened. What's changed in two and a half years? 
Nah, nothing. <laughs> no. Yeah, lot. nothing. We're the same. <laughs> <laughs> no, a whole lot has changed. Um, I mean, from the the brewery's perspective, uh, we are making six times the amount of beer that we made uh, or that we were projected to make first year. Um, sorry. I'm, I'm holding the, the microphone a little too low. Um, and so we are now on projection to make more than that and more than that. So um, it's, it's a huge change. It's grown and evolved and the kitchen has been a, a big aspect of our business now you have awesome hot dogs here thanks man thank you butter the bun yes it's a secret uh we yeah we started as a four taps tasting room and we have now grown into having eight taps having a full menu having a beer garden uh we've i don't even know how you could We've got five employees on full-time. Uh, it's been a trip. I mean, we're, we're still small, yep. and we're still definitely trying to figure out our place in the beer world in America. That um, must be a rewarding thing to employ five, five employees full-time. Oh, it full feels time. great. It's it's like yeah, phenomenal. We, we yeah. love all the people that we have. Like we're, I think that's one nice part about having a super small staff is that you inevitably, if, if you're a place that's desirable to work at you end up finding people who are really amazing and passionate and grow your business for you without you even having to lay a finger on them um and we've been fortunate enough to to attract that kind of staff um but you know projecting forward it's like how do we continue to maintain that pipeline of bringing in people who are going to care about your Arbury baby. as yeah. much as we care yeah. about it. You guys are canning now. That's something you obviously weren't doing two and a half years ago. No. Talk about the process getting into canning. And are you guys in local liquor stores? Uh, we're not in local liquor stores. And we don't plan to be. Okay. Uh, we are... So you're self-distribute through the... the straight through our, our tap room. Um, and that's how we plan to be for quite a bit. Probably good with the government shutdown too. Right yeah, now. we don't have to worry about. It. <laughs> hey man, we could be lawless at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Start selling them on the side of the road at some point. <laughs> no government to stop us. Yeah. Um, but um, the the process of starting canning was uh, we we brought in a mobile canner, um, a much smaller mobile canner than say Ironheart. Uh, yeah, exactly, and. Um, it was great. It was great to get those cans out the door and get that kind of income going. Um, but we weren't necessarily happy with everything about the, the situation. So we knew we wanted to have more control and we ended up investing in a wild goose. Cool. Very happy with this investment. Um, like you aren't the only person who's told us that either. No, it seems to be a Pretty common trend. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. And canning it sucks. It, we can be honest. It's not an easy thing. <laughs> I don't have to do it. So yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> yes, I should do the yeah. other things that suck. I don't have to do yeah. canning. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it, it's, it's, I mean, it's not that 
not the worst. It's not the worst. It's not the most straightforward. It's not the single bottle hand crank for a while. Yeah, we were doing one bottle at a time. Uh, We are definitely seven fifties. We do no. We were doing five hundred milliliters. Yeah, Um, and they were great. I mean, it, it it got us by, and we had some to go beer. But boy, as soon as we put things in a can with this like orange and blue label. Uh, it started flying out the door. So uh, we definitely invested heavily um, into a canning line for ourselves, and now we have all the control in the world over how our product is consumed, and that's what we wanted. We wanted to be able to um, control. and and Well, and it's an interesting conundrum for a small brewery. It's like you want to... You know, cans are all the rage, and for good reason. Uh, you know, they keep beer much better. They travel really well. They look great. Uh, it's something where you want to satisfy that demand, but for a lot of small breweries, the requirement for mobile canning lines is way higher than you can produce you can, yeah. or you afford. Can produce, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Also, the thing is, is you can, like you were saying, you can control your product. I think yep. what you're trying to say, and correct me if I'm wrong, is you don't want your can sitting on a shelf potentially for five weeks. No, no definitely not. Tasting the beer that you didn't intend. Exactly. Uh, also, we we are now responsible for the beer that we put into cans, rather than um, relying on someone else to do that for us. Yep. Um, all of all of the responsibility is on us, and we are that much more of the the. The, the producer for the beer at that point, um, which I, I love, and I love the control of that. I like to be able to um, make sure that we are putting our best foot forward at all times. So everything's in-house? Yeah, except for, I mean, a draft, a draft were throughout. Yeah, we, right, we right. distribute to a number of restaurants, yeah. but for the most part, whenever all the packaged product that's small enough to walk away with... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's in house. Talk about the logo. Love your logo. Mm. I have a New Hampshire shirt with the finger thing. What is the finger? Is it so? I'm it's fingers crossed. Lie, fingers yeah, crossed. It's, it's, yeah, it's when you, as a young child, tell a lie and you don't want to be cursed by the gods. You cross your fingers and you hide them behind your back. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a it's a local company. It's a it's, the name of the company is Ham. Um, this guy, Dylan Haig. H-A-M. H-A-M, like uh, Porgy the Pig. Uh, Dylan Haig, uh, Christy Martino, and Kelsey Wise, who are really the, the people pushing that company. Um, they're the inspiration for a lot of, not the inspiration, but the ones who take, the people who take our inspiration and turn it into something that's tangible. Um, In cans or just? Across the board, they yep. started our doing logo our and logo. Everything. They, they've done all of our can branding. You know, we reach out to them whenever we have something that we want to look sharp and sell and be appreciated as more than just a poster that has information on it. Um, they've been fantastic for us. Well, you guys have some rad-ass gear. I have to say that. I think your your merch is awesome. Thanks, man. Logo and everything, and, and your can art's always up to point. So It's amazing how much people, some people are just swag hunting when they come to a brewery. It's true. It's true. 
So what's next for Liar's Bench? You guys want to maintain in the tap room? Is the tap room going to expand or? The tap room itself, probably not for a bit. Um, we it, have, you know, probably capacity for 70 people within our own four walls year round. And then we have a beer garden. So at that point, it just starts to get too expansive. Yeah. Um, but definitely plans in the future. Uh, that we cannot talk about on this <laughs> podcast. We would like to grow, but we're yeah. we're they're, also they're, very conscientious of the fact that you know, in the landscape right now, you you want to figure out where you fit and how you fit. And trying to get too big too fast could sacrifice the quality of your product and it could also, you know, put in hazard the sustainability of your business. So finding that happy medium is, it's really important for us. It's something we have our eye on all the time. You know, how do we take advantage of what we're doing and, and the momentum that we have and make certain as many people out there experience and get to taste our beer as possible. But how do we also maintain integrity and not just become some sprawling entity or some place that looks at its hand and, oversells themselves and ends up bankrupt in five years. So we kind of have a good understanding of what Liar Bench is. Let's get to know you guys a little bit. Okay. So what's in your fridge at home, beer-wise? Liar's, yeah. Liar's Bench. Liar's Bench low fills. Low fills, of course. <laughs> it's another benefit of canning is I get to take low fills oh, home. I. <laughs> I'm reminded of a chef I used to work with who is a James Beard Award nominated chef. He's worked at literally the best restaurants in the world. And there's a picture of him when someone asked him a very similar question, which was what's in your fridge. And this was a, this was a series that they had done of, of photographs and all these chefs were opening up their fridge and it was just stuck to the gills and his fridge had nothing in it. <laughs> uh, if you had asked about the Liar's Bench fridge downstairs, don't listen, local government. But uh, we have a phenomenal uh, inventory of people's beer who is not ours. Okay. But at home, it's like hummus and pickles. <laughs> <laughs> and a La Fin de Monde. I have a La Fin de Monde in there from Canada because a friend went up there recently. But beyond that, it's like my cell is dry, man. I got it all here. That's good. I've got a, I've got a couple savers that I have in my fridge. Um, one from San Francisco. Uh, it's a McKellar barley wine. Um, it's called Worst. It's not bad. It's not worse. It's the worst. They they scratched out the bad, so I had to research it. Um, and then I have a, a Mata Lesser that I haven't given away yet. Sorry, Todd. Why are you going to give it away? Todd's a big fan of the podcast. So he might Is he? Here. Oh, <laughs> then sorry, Todd. <laughs> the Todd father. Uh, ooh, good one. Yeah. Um, and then uh, there's a Spencer beer that I haven't tried yet. Okay. Which I'm excited for. Uh, and I've That's had a it. Travis I, one. Yeah. Right? Yep. yep. And I haven't, I've, I've never tried Spencer and I've had it in my fridge for two years. 
I've always felt too much pressure from like saving a beer. Yeah. I end up saving it for way too long. I like to drink them as soon as I can possibly get my hands on them. Yeah. What's a guilty pleasure beer that you guys have? Miller Lite. Yeah, Miller Lite. Coors Banquet. Oh, oh that's, not a, that's, Thank, not a that's not guilty. Anymore. That's, that's just like delicious. <laughs> uh, do you guys have a perfect food with beer? Oh. Chicken wings, baby. Pizza? Sausage. I like chicken wings because I like that, especially if you get like a beer with a nice malt characteristic that can kind of give that little bit of sweetness to all that heat. Yeah, that makes sense. I do love pizza. And honestly, I mean, I do love sausage. I love German food through and through. Mm. Give me a schnitzel. Um, oh, my goodness. Give me some sauerkraut. I'll be a happy, <laughs> yeah. happy Yeah, human. that tang. Mm-hmm. Sauerkraut and Pilsner are just absolute best friends. Yeah. Can we talk about some of the food that you guys offer here? Because yeah. I think it's – I really enjoy we it. We do actually. offer both – wait. We have sauerkraut and sauerkraut and sausage. German, oh, yeah. German sausage news. So yeah, we um, we built out our kitchen, sort of based on the idea of a food truck. So it's not just like your turbo oven that you see at some breweries that just toss a no. Now we got a griddle. Go. We've got you know a few induction burners. So we. we and we're hand casing our bratwurst. Yeah. Are we, you really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So our uh, our. Kitchen guy Dan Berkey for two years now has been uh, casing up our bratwurst for us. So we get it ground specifically to a recipe, and then we bring it in-house, and he, he makes all the links by hand. Uh, we griddle them on our griddle, and then we put butter on our buns, which tends to be... That's the key. It is the key. That's the key. It really is amazing how much people respond to just some butter <laughs> that's been griddled up, which I totally understand. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those like chef secrets that is so simple, it seems ridiculous. But no, I agree. It's kind of like the toast you get at a diner. Yeah. It's nothing oh, yeah. like the toast <laughs> you get at a diner, yeah. right? Somebody else made it for me, and they slathered it yeah. in butter. Uh, but yeah, we do mostly sausages at this point. We've got a serious hot dog game. We use Shields hot dogs out of Maine, so it's a local product. Cool. Um, but we wanted to model our kitchen off of that type of drunk food that you want when you're deep in it Mm -hmm. and your stomach's growling and you don't have another choice besides slamming that thing into your face. And we're hopeful that that is what we're providing for people. We're going to try in the near future to maybe expand our menu a little bit more, but at the end of the day, we want to continue to keep it simple, keep it straightforward, and make certain the beer's the star and the food is the complement to it. Taproom family friendly? Absolutely. Oh, definitely. We My nephew see, runs amok yeah, when he comes kids in. kids all the time. <laughs> and I have a theory that a lot of taprooms are family friendly. Yeah, and they yeah. end up being places where mom and pop feel like they can bring their newborn. And, and we encourage that because it's one of the few places where mom and pop can show up and And relax kind of relax not have to worry if things go awry that the 150 dollar bill is coming their way right they just have to worry about finishing their glass and getting out of there the kid starts throwing a temper tantrum yep and they're ten dollars in they have to sacrifice the last half of their beer so be it but more often than not they'll finish the last half yeah yeah. and then take the kids home that's something that you see a lot in european 
style. Yeah. And well, those kids are walking around with little tiny well, beers. Though. Yeah. Yeah. See, <laughs> it's good that this area is see, trying to. That's reset. why we offer samplers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Uh, thank you guys so much for doing this. Uh, where can we find you guys on social media and and more specifically, if you're in the New Hampshire area? Um, www.liarsbenchbeer.com. What's our Instagram handle, Dan? Liars Bench Beer. And uh, on Facebook, where can you find us? Liars Bench Beer. So it's pretty easy. Liars Bench Beer. 459 Islington 0382 222201. Just type in Liars Bench Beer on your phone at this point. Smarter than us at this point. We're at 2019. Before we go, what are you guys most proud of? It doesn't have to be Liars Bench. It could be anything in the freaking world. Oof. I'm proud that you know we're we're two guys who started out of friends and we're still friends after That's all awesome. the, you know all this time and all these ups and downs we we still have managed to maintain a relationship that isn't born out of like frustration and hate and that's a you know I think beer probably has something to do with that but it's a thing that people warn you about when you go into business with a good friend yep. and it hasn't been our downfall so I'm 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 proud of that Follow that up, idiot. Yeah, shit. <laughs> That's uh, the ribbing right there. Yeah. Right? Yeah, there we go. I was going to say our beer. That's the yin and the yang. Come on. Well, I'm pretty psyched that our beer is all right. Well, cheers to that. <laughs> yeah, cheers to that. Cheers to friendship and good beer. Cool. So, gentlemen, thank you again. I, it's awesome. I know it's kind of late at night, but means a lot taking the time out to do this. So. Thank you for coming. Oh, my gosh. It's, I would come here to not do this. Well, you should. You should. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> and I do. Yeah, and I encourage others. So uh, if you haven't made your way out to Portsmouth, do yourself a favor. Come to Liar's Bench. Because Portsmouth is full of history, and it's really not that far. Even if you're going to Boston, just go up to New Hampshire to Liar's Bench. So until next time, cheers. Thank <laughs> you.